Are you sick of your current siding? Are your gutters sagging? When it's time to update your home's exterior in the Berks County, Pennsylvania area, turn to Storms Exteriors, LLC. Their siding, gutter, and deck contractors can replace your old features with sturdy new ones you can count on for years to come. Turn your house into a neighborhood showstopper. Contact Storms Exteriors, LLC now to schedule siding installation or seamless gutter services along with free estimates at 610-858-1184 or stormsexteriors.com on the web and also on Facebook at Storms Exteriors LLC. This is Chet with Flow Racing. You're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Sloop Podcast presented by Line Decker Racing Engines. Go check out Line Decker Racing Engines on Facebook. Pop J Line Decker Racing Engines into your search bar. Give the page a like and go see what Jason's got going on. On to our breaking news items. This is difficult. It really is. I don't know why. I've never met Rick Eshelman. I've been in his presence. Uh, I've listened to, got over a hundred World of Outlaw late model broadcasts that he's done and enjoyed every single one of them. A post came out late Thursday night stating once again that Rick Eshelman was missing. He was leaving Paducah, Kentucky, heading to Lincoln, Illinois on Friday morning and never arrived at his destination. Hundreds, if not thousands of people were sharing the post, suggesting where he may be, how to locate him through his phone or GPS, calling the police, calling the phone company, etc. Well, midday yesterday, his son made the news public that a lot of people feared, including myself. Rick had been found at a defunct short track in Illinois where he had taken his own life. I'm devastated. I tell people all the time I could listen to two announcers in dirt track racing every day for the rest of my life and be joyed and overly satisfied by their abilities, Rick being one of them and Chet Christner being the other. Rick had so much charisma on the microphone. He's known for his memorization of nicknames and his short quips. I've read and heard from many that he was the one who coined such nicknames as the Smooth Operator for Bobby Pierce or the El Paso Express for Ryan Unziker. And even even though Tim Fuller didn't care for it, the Empire Executioner. Rick was full of on-air jokes at any chance he could get. I said it last night on the way home. Anytime I hear the name Bear Lake Bonsai for Boom Briggs, I can only hear it in Rick's voice. Rick Eshelman started his announcing career with a few stints on the mic back in 1979 before joining the Air Force. He later then went on to announce at more than 200 tracks, 
earned many recognitions for his talents, including the 2012 Tom Carnegie Announcer of the Year Award from the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club, and most recently, rightfully so, his induction into the National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame earlier this year. And I want to share a statement that was made on social media from Charles Crawl, who's the communications manager at ARCA. And I quote, all of us who choose to work in racing did so willingly. We do it for our own reasons, but we all love the sport and want to be involved. But despite what it might look like, it isn't always glamorous, especially at the grassroots level. There are a lot of long nights and even longer car rides home. Missed family functions, missed birthdays, missed milestones. It can be lonely as hell on those long nights going from place to place. We're all lucky to do it, every single one of us. But even those who shine brightly can struggle. You never know what's going on behind the smile and sunglasses. Be kind, be supportive. Be genuine to those in all walks of life, especially those who are in the circus. Maybe think about it the next time you want to send a mean tweet to someone who's messed up on the air or made a mistake on the track or did something silly in pit road. We're all humans, and just like anyone else, we all need a little kindness in our lives. End quote. That statement has to be the most accurate thing I've read in quite some time. I, I say it all the time. We work in this industry because we want to, not because we have to. If you're in this business to get rich, you're in the wrong line of business. It it's just it's a fact. We don't get paid a ton of money. We do it because we love it. And that's the end of it. But Charlie was right. There probably are guys out there who are taking trips by themselves. And they're driving a long time. They're people who like to do long drives. I took a trip to Florida in 2018 to clear my head, and it was a positive experience for me. But to others, that might not be something they really want to do, and it can take them down the wrong way. Suicide's no joke, and I speak from experience. Many of you might not know that about me, but back in 2003... I went down that rabbit hole and thankfully, you know, and I'm not a religious man, but something didn't let it happen. And I'm glad that it didn't happen. I wouldn't be here on air for you guys. There would be a lot of things in my life that I would have never gotten to experience. Dirt track racing is absolutely one of those big things right there behind marrying my wife. Suicide sucks. We don't know what's going on with anyone, what's going on in their head. 
we're all great liars and we can lie about things like that. We can tell you that everything's fine, knowing damn well that everything is not fine. If you have someone in your life who you may think is hiding something, or they've been depressed, or they've been sad, or they've gone through a tragedy in their life, or maybe a loss of a loved one, give them a call to see how they're doing. Reach out. Even a text will go a long way. And for those of you who may be that person that needs someone to reach out to you, I really hope you find whatever it is you're looking for and you don't go down that wrong road. You can always call or text 988 to access the Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's completely confidential. You don't even have to give your name. It's 100% free. And it's available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. This whole thing is just, it's sad. And Rick Eshelman is a great example of, I didn't know Rick personally, but I heard him come through my television or my phone on Dirt Vision. And you would have never thought in a million years that there was a demon hiding somewhere that would take him down this road. A lot of people have made statements over the last 24 hours in regards to how his interactions were in the pits or with the staff of the track he was at or anything in between. And you would have never thought this was a possibility. You know, I'll I'll quote Cinderella on this one. You don't know what you got till it's gone. I think some people are taken for granted in this life and they need to be appreciated more. Maybe that's all they need. But reach out to that one person who you haven't talked to in a while who might need to hear from you. And that's all I'm going to say. And some other sad news last night. Charleston Speedway out in Illinois. Current factory stock driver Lee Hall along with his wife, Felicia, and their daughter, Madison, uh, after leaving the track, were struck by a drunk driver. And, unfortunately, none of them survived. You know, a lot of us in this racing industry, we do partake in alcoholic beverages, and there's probably more out there than I care to admit that want to drive home that way, too. And unfortunate things like this happen. And I don't want to go down that path with getting into life choices and what each person wants to do. I've made bad ones and I know a lot of you have too and continue to do. And it's not my position to to give anyone a lecture on that, what's right and what's wrong. But this is unfortunate. So prayers going out to the Hall family and of course as the previously mentioned Rick Eshelman family. On to other news. USAC and NASCAR have teamed up to form the NASCAR U-Series, which was under the former name USAC Quarter Midget Series. USAC will still operate the series just as they've done before, just under the NASCAR banner. 
They have released a nine race event schedule for next year, featuring seven asphalt and two dirt events. Which will be at the following NASCAR facilities with a track created on the grounds strictly for the quarter midgets. February 26th, they will be at Auto Club Speedway in California. April 2nd, they will be at Richmond Raceway in Virginia. June 4th, Worldwide Technology Raceway in Illinois. That will be a dirt event. July 4th, they will be at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, of course, in Indiana. July 23rd, Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania. That is the other dirt event. August 20th, Watkins Glen International up in New York. September 3rd, Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. October 1st, Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama. And October 8th, Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina. I like what they're doing with this, and I feel that just the NASCAR banner is going to tie into where you know, a little boy or a little girl is going to start out their racing career, which is a quarter midget. And that NASCAR name's tied to it, and it gives them that aspiration of that's where they want to go. So I absolutely think this is a good thing. I think sometimes USAC doesn't correlate with NASCAR in some people's minds or even just an ordinary fan who's not involved. This will tie that whole thing together. And, you know, there's a lot of people in NASCAR, past or present, who have gone that USAC route. So this would be a, a nice uh, tie-in. On to our results. Back to last Sunday, Danny Serrano weekend finale, Bridgeport Speedway, 20000 to win with the bounty on Ryan Godown, and also 602 Crate Sportsman feature paying 4000 to win. That was the All-American 40. That was rained out early on Sunday. They have now gave us their makeup date, which will be the day following the World Finals finale in Charlotte. So it will now be held on November 6th, which is a Sunday. And as long as weather permits, I will absolutely be in attendance. On a Tuesday, High Limit Sprint Series, Sheldon Hodenshield's Buckeye Brawl, presented by DAC Vitamins and Minerals, Wayne County Speedway in Ohio, 32000 to win. They were all set to go, and the rain hit and washed away the night. And the way it looks, and we'll get to this in our conversation this week, Jimmy Johnson, yes, the NASCAR seven-time cup champion was set to compete in the Alex Bowman 55 sprint car. So maybe we see more of Jimmy hopping in a 410 sprint car. Very interesting. On to Wednesday, Castrol Flow Racing Night in America Atomic Speedway in Ohio. $22,020 to win. Bobby Pierce, your winner after Kyle Larson got a flat in the late stages of this one, taking him out of contention. Bobby Pierce, once again, your winner over Devin Moran and Brent Larson running out the podium. On to Thursday, Lucas Oil Late Models, 54th Annual Hillbilly 100. 
Tyler County Speedway, West Virginia, 30,000 to win. I watched this entire feature, and let me tell you, it was amazing. Amazing feature. Everyone recalls the feature at Grandview a few years ago where Craig Von Dorn and Brett Kressley were a dead tie, according to the transponders at the finish. I don't see it as often as you might think it would happen where guys are dead even down to the thousandth of a second. Well, in this feature, 100 laps, four times, Kyle Larson and Brandon Shepard were a dead tie at the stripe. That's amazing. Just amazing that that can happen. But in the end, they were not tied. And Kyle Larson picked up his very first Hillbilly 100 over Brandon Shepard and Garrett Alberson rounding out the top three. If you guys did not watch that race, I'm sure it is on flow as a replay. Go watch that feature. It was awesome. Lucas Oil ASCS Ralph Henson Memorial I-30 Speedway in Arkansas. Aaron Reutzel, your winner over Sam Hayford Teep Jr. And Jordan Mallett rounding out the top three. On to Friday's national events. World of Outlaws Sprint's 60th Annual Champion Racing Oil National Open Weekend. Williams Grove Speedway, 10,000 to win on Friday. What an eventful night this was for the Outlaws. As most of you know, Hurricane Ian rained on our parade this weekend after tearing up thousands of homes in Florida, wishing all of those guys recovery on their property and hope that their lives are still going to carry on as normal. The Outlaws moved up their time. I applaud them for that. They hustled. I mean, hustled to get this in. Anybody who's been to the Natty Open or an Outlaw show or the Grove in general, they tend to drag it out a little bit and give a lot of time between events to get cars ready and stuff like that. But they were hustling. I absolutely applaud them on that. For 51 cars, I believe it was, that they they were moving pretty quick. Well, as the feature comes out, it's starting to rain. They kept going. They kept running. They kept running. They kept running. Rain was still falling. But according to statements made after the fact, once they got the track buzzed off, it was okay. It wasn't as bad as maybe I thought it was as a spectator. And no, I was not there. So it was dry in my house. But from what I could see on the television, it did not look good. Well, Take lap 10, and Brent Marks brings out a red with a gnarly flip over the wall in one and two. They did their open red, got guys situated for that. Once they got Brent Marks' car over the wall back onto the track side, the rain really picked up, and they opted to park them all and go under a weather delay. The rain slowed, they got the track back in, brought the cars back out, buzzed it off, and it poured again. And it was at that point they parked the cars again and then called the event. Apparently, World of Outlaw Sprints do not have a halfway rule. They don't have a halfway rule where 
the feature can be checkered at any moment and be official. Well, Lance Deweese was absolutely thrilled to hear that, as after 10 laps, Lance Deweese was named your winner. $1,000 per lap, not a bad day for Lance. Sheldon Hodenshield was your runner-up, and Carson Macedo rounded out the podium. Fun fact, Lance Deweese's 19th career World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series victory brings him into sole possession of 32nd on the all-time win list. He's the 12th different multi-time winner this season and the fourth non-full-time driver in that club. So there's four guys who have won more than one outlaw event this year that are not on the full-time list. Joining Brent Marks, who has five, Kyle Larson, who has four, and Hot Sauce Giovanni Salzi, who has two. At 10 of 25 laps down, Friday night's event at Williams Grove is tied with Bakersfield Speedway back in February of 1990, which was won by Dave Blaney for the shortest completed feature in World of Outlaws history. It's only the third recorded instance of a race being called before halfway, joining occurrences at Red River Valley Speedway in 04, which completed 11 of 30, and I-96 Speedway in 2016 that completed 17 of 35. So on that note, I'm thinking the event at Bakersfield was only a 20-lap feature, but some wild stuff happening Friday at the Grove. Lucas Oil ASCS, the Comp Cams Short Track Nationals, once again I-30 Speedway, They had two groups. They had 87 cars show up for this event. That's a lot. Group A, Aaron Reutzel picked up the win over Jason Martin and Justin Sanders. And Group B, Sam Haferteep Jr. over Seth Bergman and Ryan Timms. And as you can tell, it became the Reutzel and Haferteep weekend at I-30. World of Outlaw Late Models, Mike Duval Memorial, Cherokee Speedway in South Carolina, 10,000 to win, was rained out earlier in the week uh, due to the hurricane that was coming, so they bagged that one earlier, which was a good call. That way no one even tried to haul down there. Lucas Oil Late Models, Great Lakes 50, Raceway 7 in Ohio, 12,000 to win, also was rained out ahead of time. USAC Sprints, Let's Just Race, Kokomo Speedway in Indiana. Kyle Cummins, your winner over Jake Swanson and Chase Stocken. Lucas Oil MLRA, second annual Harvest Hustle. Sycamore Speedway in Illinois, 5,000 to win. Chad Simpson, your winner over Brian Shirley and Jason Fager. On to local events. Georgetown Speedway, Camp Barnes Benefit Race, Friday and Saturday was rained out. They have now moved it to a one-day event, which will kick off the Mid-Atlantic Championship weekend in late October. That will be a Thursday, October 27th. Will now be the Camp Barnes Benefit Race. Up at Fulton was the Outlaw 200 weekend kickoff. They ran modified qualifiers. Qualifier number one went to Tyler Trump. 
Qualifier number two to Jimmy Phelps. Qualifier number three to Kyle Inman and qualifier number four to Larry White. They had the option of taking their starting spot in Saturday's 200 lapper or a cash prize, and they all opted to take their starting spots. Spirit Auto Center Speedway down at Bridgeport Motorsports Park, Skyscraper Weekend. Again, another event that fell to the hurricane. They have canceled the event. On to Saturday's national events, World of Outlaw Sprints, once again, 60th Annual Champion Racing Oil National Open, Williams Grove Speedway, 75000 to win. We saw it coming. They did postpone the event and have rescheduled the event, which is always a good thing. It is now scheduled to run October 22nd, which is a Saturday night, a little less than three weeks away. And hats off to the Port Royal team for working with the Grove, canceling their event they had scheduled for that date to allow fans and teams to partake in Williams Grove's event. Lucas Oil ASCS, once again, the Comp Cams Short Track Nationals I-30 Speedway in Arkansas. Sam Hayford Teep Jr. snuck by Aaron Reutzel for the win. A.A. Ron did finish second with Justin Sanders running out the podium. Fun fact about this event, I-30 Speedway was the track to host the inaugural Lucas Oil American Sprint Car Series event in 1992. And as I had previously stated a few weeks ago, Copart, which is apparently buying up racetracks now, it has purchased this property and I-30 Speedway will be closed as of today. The last event to ever be held at I-30 Speedway now was the Lucas Oil American Sprint Car Series. So pretty cool. Uh, and from the pictures I've seen and the posts I've seen from this event, you know, the Lucas Oil ASCS team did acknowledge their appreciation for everything that has happened uh, at I-30 Speedway over the past 30 years. World of All 8 Models, Sonoy Raceway in Georgia, 10,000 to win. Again, this was part of the cancellation for the weekend that was rained out due to the hurricane. Lucas Oil Late Models, 34th Annual Pittsburgher, Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, 20,000 to win. Also succumbed to rain. USAC Sprints Fall Nationals, Lawrenceburg Speedway in Indiana, 10,000 to win. Kyle Cummins goes twofer on the weekend, getting it done over Logan CV and Justin Grant. Lucas Oil MLRA, 2nd Annual Harvest Hustle, Sycamore Speedway in Illinois. 7,000 to win. Jason Fager leading wire to wire, picking up the victory over Jeff Larson and the squirrel, Brian Shirley. Local events, New Egypt, 10th annual All-Star Cup, 100, 10,000 to win. Again, fell to the Hurricane Accord. Had the Joe G's great, great race, 5,000 to win scheduled. They also postponed their event that will now be run October 29th. Fulton, however, did run the Outlaw 200. We ventured up to Fulton for my first time up there. I like it. I like Fulton. It's a 
three eighths, kind of a paper clip. Um, I really think it's a combination of big diamonds, straightaways, and Grandview's turns. Oddly enough, I did enjoy it. I did. Um, fascinating. They didn't run any hot laps. They didn't do any track packing with cars. I mean, they ran their, you know, their tractor equipment to pack the track in, but first cars to actually hit the track was heat number one, no hot laps, which made things a little interesting. Very different. Yeah. Great facility. Definitely enjoyed myself. We all enjoyed ourselves that went up. 200 lappers get very interesting. That track was smooth. No ruts. It was like glass. Even the pictures of the right rears after the race was over, they didn't look bad at all. It was it was good. And in the end, 20,000 to win went to Matt Shepard over Matt Williamson and Mike Mahaney. Hats off to Chad Phelps. He did not pit at the halfway mark, which you were allowed to do. There were three guys who did not pit. Chad Phelps, Alan Johnson, and Tim Fuller. Tim Fuller did pit about 10 laps prior to that with a flat, so he already had a fresh right rear on, but was unable to make any changes to the car. He hung around in the top 10, I believe. Slideways ended up going backwards once the rest of the field came back out uh, to restart at lap 100. But Chad Phelps restarted first and held on to his top five position where he was at prior to the yellow. I was very impressed with that. Also, they ran a dirt car sanctioned sportsman event, uh, a tour race. And yes, you had the best of the best of the New York crate guys there. They ran a fantastic 50 lap feature. Yes, there were a couple of yellows, but... They all respect each other up there. You get into the back of someone or into his quarter panel, you actually would lay off and let the guy correct himself. You wouldn't throw bombs in there and just pancaking guys right in their side. Um, you didn't have guys all over the place. Guys knew what lines they were running. Very professionally ran race for the drivers. I absolutely applauded that. And the finish was good. Yes, Zach Sabaka did lead every lap and did win the race, but it didn't go without a lack of effort from Ryan Dolbear, who ended up second. It was great, great race. Absolutely applaud those guys on that. And that wraps up our results. A lot of hurricane wins, but there's a lot coming this week. So let's get into our upcoming events. We're going to start with Weed Sports Speedway on Tuesday. Super Dirt Week kickoff party. Dirt Car 358 Modifieds and 602 Crate Sportsman. Utica Rome also runs on Tuesday. Weed Sports Speedway event will be on Dirt Vision. Utica Rome also runs on Tuesday. Ultimate Outlaw 50 for the Modifieds. Also, the Cole Cup for the Lucas Oil Empire Super Sprints and Patriot Sprint Tour, 5000 to win for that. And then we go Wednesday, Brewerton Speedway, Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks presents the 29th Hurricane Harvey. A little irony there. 
dirt car, the 358 modifieds, and 602 create sportsman on tap for Brewerton. And then Super Dirt Week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and yes, even Sunday, Super Dirt Week. Thursday, we have Pro Stock Practice, Small Block Practice, Pro Stock Time Trials, Top 6 get locked in. Small Block Time Trials, Top 6 get locked in. Then we have Past Champions Practice. Then we'll have Dirt Car Pro Stock 10 Lap Qualifying Heats. Past Champions will run their Group Time Trials and also the Past Champions Race. Dirt Car 358 Modifieds will run their 20 Lap Qualifying Heats and that's a cap on the night for Thursday. On to Friday, we will have Sportsman Practice, Modifieds, Big Block Practice, and then Dirt Car Sportsman Time Trials, Top 6 get locked in. Big Block Time Trials, Top 6 get locked in as well. And then under the lights, we will have the Sportsman 15 Lap Qualifying Heats, Big blocks will run 25 lap qualifying heats, and that's a cap on the night. On to Saturday, we will have Pro Stock Last Chance Showdowns, Small Block Last Chance Showdowns. Then we will have the Pro Stock 50 lap feature, followed by the Small Block 150 lap feature. And then Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sportsman Last Chance Showdowns onto the Big Block Last Chance Showdowns. Then the Sportsman 75 lap feature, followed by the Big Block 200 lap feature. That, of course, will all be on Dirt Vision. Short Track Super Series non points event Friday and Saturday. American Racer Cup Short Track Super Nationals 14, Afton Motorsports Park in New York 5,500 to win. Can the event go 14 consecutive years without a repeat winner? World of Outlaw Sprints Friday and Saturday, the Nittany Showdown, Port Royal Speedway. 10,000 to win on Friday, 15,000 to win Saturday. That's where I will be on Saturday working, actually. All-Stars Championship Weekend, Friday and Saturday. Jim and Joanne Ford Classic, Fremont Speedway in Ohio. 6,000 to win Friday, 10,000 to win on Saturday. Lucas Oil Late Models, Friday and Saturday. Friday, Talladega Short Track at Alabama, 12,000 to win. And then Saturday, the Lucas Oil Dixie Shootout, the Red Clay at Woodstock, historic Dixie Speedway, 15,000 to win in Georgia. Castrol Flow Race of Night in America, Thursday, Tri-County Racetrack in North Carolina, $22,022 to win. Extreme Outlaw Sprints, Friday and Saturday, Atomic Speedway in Ohio, 5000 to win each of those. USAC Midgets, Friday and Saturday. Friday is the Jason Leffler Memorial, Wayne County Speedway in Illinois. Saturday, the Harvest Cup, 
at none other than Hopstop. Lincoln Speedway on Tuesday will host the Brian Monteith Classic, 7,000 to win. And then Saturday, the Laser Late Model Clash. So to recap your upcoming events, Wheat Sport, Brewerton, Super Dirt Week will be on Dirt Vision. That is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Short Track Super Series at Afton on Friday and Saturday will be on Flow Racing. World of Outlaw Sprints, Dirt Vision. All-Stars will be on Flow. Lucas Oil Late Models will be on Flow. Castrol Flow Race Night in America. I'm going to, yeah, going to guess Flow. Extreme Outlaw Sprints will be on Dirt Vision. USAC Midgets will be on Flow. Utica Rome will be on Flow. And Lincoln will be on Flow as well. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash the five-star rating button on all the podcast platforms. And a big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown Company for the support. So, interesting thing came up. Sheldon Hodden Shield ran a non-World of Outlaw race at Wayne County Speedway. Well, you question how can that be? Because the Outlaws, which we'll get into here in a minute with our episode, can be sticklers on what you can and cannot run, which if it's in the contract you signed to be a Platinum member, I completely understand that. But he was not allowed to run on Tuesday at the High Limit Racing event. So why don't you ponder that one for a while? Interesting. And then in Victory Lane, after his win, he was asked what his plans are for next year. He said he'll be in the 17. We'll see what the schedule looks like and race as much as we can. When asked how this came together, which was racing last night at Wayne County, with how the outlaws have their rules, he stated, I have to watch what I say. Fascinating. He also didn't mention the world of outlaws not once in his victory lane speech or to answer any of the questions, which is a good way to lead into this week's episode because we get into this topic just a little bit. Just a little bit. We get into this. Called up a good friend of mine that I've gotten to know a little bit better on this year, Mr. Jeremy Elliott from SprintCarUnlimited.com and .tv. Jeremy is a very good dude, has a lot of information when it comes to the sprint car world of things. And being that, I'm right next door to Central PA in the posse land, as we'll call it. This turned into a really good conversation about some really good things. Outside of the hot topics of 2022, of course, we dove into how this came to be. Sprint Car Limited and... Jeremy goes into a lot of detail about all the things um, that transpired into getting to where he is at this current moment. So I hope you guys dig it. Next week, Modified Driver guest will be on the show. Look forward to that one. But that's all I got for this week. Enjoy all of the racing action that will be going on. For those of you who are heading up to Oswego for Super Dirt Week, have fun. Have a beverage for me. Stay safe. And until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown and Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey 
has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud Dirt Track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown and Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports Dirt Track Racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 Modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses of Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. You can reach Bill Brown and Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the 4 Wide Slew Podcast, I have with me Jeremy Elliott from Sprint Car Unlimited. Well, there's so much we can talk about, Jeremy. Um, let's start from the beginning. We'll get into the most recent stuff later on in the episode, but I definitely want to make sure that we get how Sprint Car Unlimited came to be uh, before we get caught up in everything that's been going on in recent times. So let's start with that. So let's go way back in the machine here. When, <laughs> way back. <laughs> when does Sprint Car Unlimited become an, an idea of yours? Well, first off, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It's always nice to do do a show like this. Um, you know, it, it, this is going to sound weird, but basically I was covering a girls field hockey state championship game okay. at, in Whitehall, PA. And... You know, obviously, I've covered a lot of different things while working at the newspaper, anything from, you know, community sports to the NFL and, of course, racing as well. And I've been in racing for a long time, you know, whether it be a fan or I wrote for different publications. And I just thought, you know what? I'm sick of of doing eight different sports at once and having to be the lead guy on all eight sports and missing stuff. And I said, I'm going to focus on one thing. I just was driving home in the sleet and was kind of mad about everything that was going on as far as the daily newspaper. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to put an idea together to start my own website, similar to dirt on dirt for sprint car racing. And then about a week and a half later, I was out at PRI with, uh, with a website that I was getting designed and looking for advertisers and, and everything else. So it happened that quick. And what year are we talking about? Uh, it was the end of 2016. Uh, I I was uh, going through a divorce at the time, and you know, being me being dumb, I figured I'd just uproot everything and and do everything about my mid 40s. So uh, it got up and running and was actually live in 2017 at um, the Motorsports Show in Philadelphia. Oh wow! Yeah, and don't feel bad about when you decided to do all this because. Let me tell you, if I could take where I am now and flip it back 10 years, let alone 15 years, oh my Lord, I'd have so much more to look forward to. But no, I completely get it. If things happen when they happen and some of us just don't get that opportunity until later on in life. Well, the other thing is I didn't want to be sitting around 10 years after the fact going, boy, I wish I would have done this. Right. So no matter what, whether I 
whether it, it's widely successful or builds into this monster or just kind of doesn't work out long term, I'm going to be OK with it because I at least took that shot. Right. And what were some of the hurdles you had to get over when you decided to get this thing off the ground? Uh, I'm still going through them. I actually, you know, it's, it's five years later, six years later. And, you know, there's some things I wish I would have done different. I wish I would have started with an app right off the bat. That, that is the big thing that I regret. So I think it wasn't so hard to, you know, I got a pair of investors out of PRI and getting it off the ground really wasn't a big deal. I had to write a bunch of content uh, that when it went live, there was about 20 stories up there. So uh, scheduling, you know, all getting all things in that I wanted to get in it. But really the hard part is, uh, you know, earning a living off it. And that's an everyday thing. And then there's things that, like I said, I regret. And the big thing is not going to an app format right at the jump and, and just doing kind of a monthly, like $3 deal or, or whatever. So, you know, you, it's like anything. As you go along, you there's things you realize you could have done different or you should have done different, and then you just do the best you can to, to get it the way you want it. Right. Now, you do bring up the subscription aspect of it, and your site is definitely different in that regard that yours is almost like the local newspaper where a subscription is required in order yep. to read through the content. Has that been difficult to deal with, especially in the fact that I can go on to a lot of other publications and read a lot of things, maybe not the same things, but in a gist, probably get the same idea. Um, It's tough because I think there's a lot of things now that train people to to get things for free that maybe aren't as good or they're not as informative. Or they're just rumors. So I don't deal with that. I, you know, the selling point of my site is that when you read something, that is that is the truth. That's, you know, I'm big on, I don't print any rumors. I talk to, a, you know, a lot of guys, obviously. I've talked to, whether they're in California or here, I have relationships across the country. And I'm pretty good at getting the bulk of the breaking news. You know, I know, look, Ari Auto Racing News does a good job, but I'll have stuff four or five days earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to wait. It's next day. Uh, even, even race coverage or if something happens at the track, it's next day. So, you know, I, I it is a daily newspaper feel to it, which is what I wanted. Yes, uh, there's a lot of criticism out there because I'm a pay site, but I mean, it's $35 a year. I, I mean, I can't make it much cheaper than that. Uh, and, and and there's, you know, we do a weekly podcast. We do, we have videos, we have breaking news. And, and I'd say probably out of the breaking news, I get about 70% of it. Right. And which is, which is, and I get it first. So that's a pretty high percentage. And, and usually the big stuff's all included in that. So, you know, and if I don't get it first, to me, it's better to be accurate. I'll go a different angle or I'll dig deeper. Uh, it's challenging. Uh, people, the people that who do subscribe are very loyal and I, I can't thank them enough. And they understand why they purchase it. I have a lot of, I have over a 90% retention rate and it's because that I'm consistent. 
the information's right. And, you know, it, it's, I try and write obviously in a professional manner and, uh, hopefully it stands for itself, but there's still people out there who, who are skeptical. I would, I would ask them to try it. Uh, see, you know, just even a month is you could get three months for $18. I mean, that's, that's pretty cheap. So they can try it out and, you know, get the year, which is 35. So, you know, it's something you deal with, but I have broad shoulders and, you know, pretty much have been yelled at by uh, guys in the NFL. So I, I can handle it on, on this end. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, it's one of them things too. I almost compare it to like, you know, okay, everyone has no problem spending $150 for flow each year and getting all their content for a year. But when it comes to one of your broadcasts or Mallet's broadcasts, oh my God, it's 30 bucks for one night. This is ridiculous. But in a sense, though, it's the same people that have no problem driving an hour and a half to the track, spending all that money in fuel, food, beer, ticket price, a shirt, the whole nine yards, and they can't wrap their brain around the concept. I completely get it where you are getting great content and it is well worth it because you, like, to your point, it is the truth. It is relayed straight from the horse's mouth and it's not an opinion uh, article or, or spreading rumors or, um, you know, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I think um, to your point in the you can get it the next day breaking news as opposed to waiting for the racing paper. I'll be honest, I get Ariato and I might read one every 12 issues because the majority of the stuff in there I already heard about. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with it. And now, don't get me wrong. I have opinion pieces in there. Like mm-hmm. if, if there's stuff going on in, in racing, I will give my opinion on it. Good, because we're going to get to that soon. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, but it's based on, you know, I've been around this for 45, you know, 45 years. Right. And, you know, I've, I've been and I'm not saying I'm, I'm smarter than everyone else. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just to see. It just means I'm old and I, I've seen a lot. A valued and opinion. I, <laughs> yeah, I've been in the pit area. It, it's, uh, you know, I talk to the guys. I talk to, you know, promoters and, and whatnot. And the, the key is just having a pretty good feel for what's going on or what way the wind's blowing in the sport. From a pay-per-view perspective, you brought up, uh, you know, one of our broadcasts, you know, SprintCardLimited.tv. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, yes, we do take some heat that as well. But the bottom line is we're revenue sharing directly with the track and uh, we're, we're also protecting the track. Yes. You know, and, and that's key because if these tracks aren't around or not getting their fair share of the profits, they're not going to be here. And then we're going to have a major problem. So again, I think, yes, we, we charge more for the pay-per-views that's by design to protect the track, encourage you to come to the, to the, the facility buy concessions and whatnot and and also you know but you have that other option if you can't make it and the track directly revenue shares with that model right i did the math three years ago of just the all-star events on flow in my paid subscription if i watched every broadcast and they never rained out it came down to like two dollars and 40 cents a race and that wasn't including anything else i could watch 
So, yeah, I absolutely agree with the way you guys go about it is protecting the track is absolutely right. It's the price of admission or a little bit more because you want people to still want to go to the racetrack. But if you have people that have multiple monitors set up and they have their multiple streaming services and they can broadcast multiple events at once in front of them, they're never going to want to leave their house. And that's not helping our tracks. And we'll get into this in a little bit too, where it's taking effect now on some of these tracks where it's noticeable. Yeah, it is. And and I know everybody wants to say, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather go to the track. That's great. But racing is a microcosm of life. And if you train people or give people the option to sit at home all the time or take the path of least resistance, yep, they, they will do it. Yep. And we see that in everyday life. And I think that goes over to racing. And let's face it. Yes, the diehards are always going to be there, but there's less and less diehards every year. And I think you working at a track, you're well aware of that. It's the new fan is what, what I like to call fast food society. They want their entertainment quick and they want a lot of it. And then they're going to move on to something else. Yep. And this, our model kind of protects that a little bit or makes you, oh, well, if I, you know, I got to pay. $31.99 $31.99 for a $30 gate fee. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. At least the track's getting more of it. and Or it's forcing them to go to the track, which we want that as well. Right. I'm guilty of it. I'll admit it. I am absolutely guilty of the accessibility of the streaming services that are out there. And it's no fault to their own because they did something that was smart for them and it's working out well. But I'm guilty of it. And I thought about this the other day where um, New Egypt, for example, I used to have no problem going to New Egypt two hours away, even with a chance of rain. Well, at least I can say I was there. And then you never know what's going to happen if it does rain. Well, I ended up hanging out with so-and-so for hours in their trailer, or we ended up going to this local bar and had such a blast. You don't hear them stories anymore because those people, oh, there's a chance of rain. Yeah, I'm going to stay home. I can just stream it. And now you're losing that experience part of it. And I'm absolutely guilty of it. I've done it more this year than ever, whether it's fuel prices or whatever is the case. I'm absolutely guilty of it. And I think a lot of people are. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think, I think that a lot of it, I, I think you have, I mean, look, life gets in the way, too. Yes. Uh, And I think big thing is weather. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, weather is specifically keeping people at home. I I mean, that's, I mean, it doesn't, so as it is, even if it wasn't streaming. Now you're giving people that streaming option, and it it just kills the track. And, again, for us, you know, we're at least giving them, you know, 45, 50% of the revenue, and we cover all expenses. And, again, it's just a, a protection a little bit for them and, and it's not a, a a full it's not a full coverage type thing it's not gonna be the perfect scenario but i do think it's a better option because the track's sharing more and your partners the other thing is advertising we do a lot of like 
I know for BAPS and for Sealands Grove, two of our, our sprint car tracks, mm-hmm. I make com- I make commercials for them, and I don't charge them for it. I just do it because I have their footage. I do a voiceover, and they can use that commercial accordingly. It's just a little extra service I want to provide so they can promote their product. Yeah, and I also think, too, it's you're interacting with the track directly all the time, whereas I, I feel like if you were to go through the hurdles of, of a flow or a dirt vision, there's probably ranks of, of people you can talk to for support and this and that. And it gets to be unpersonable, whereas with you, it's you're directly working with those tracks all the time. And it is a one on one basis type situation where I think you can get the most out of it on both sides, the track and yourself. Yeah, I think there's a customer service end to it. And, and much like my website, my my cell phone, it's the only one I have. My number is on the website. Yep. So you call, you're going to get me. You email, you're going to get me. I think customer service, I know I get frustrated with customer service uh, in our country. And I. it's something I always want to be accessible, good, bad, or indifferent, to the fans, to drivers, to tracks. And plus the tracks that we have, I'm there. So it's it just makes it easier and I just think it, it makes for a better partnership and a better relationship. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, Want to step in the direction of you working with with Mr. Mallet and Dirt Track Digest. <laughs> um, I got to be honest, I was kind of shocked when I heard that there was going to be you guys are going to be working together on things. How did this whole thing come about? Because obviously Mike is very Northeast Dirt Modified affiliated and you're definitely Central PA Sprint Car affiliated how did this whole thing intertwine itself? Well, I've known Mallet for years. And, you know, <laughs> it, the funny story is Mallet, years ago, I think it was Jerry Regal, who was a, a, my best friend. He was a man to our minds. Obviously, we lost him to stomach cancer. But so we wrote for Area Auto Racing News and the, and the local newspaper. Mike Mallet would come down to sprint car races he drive four or five hours, then turn around and drive home and go to school the next day. And the first time we met, I looked at him and said, you're dumb. <laughs> Still is, but that's not the point. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was, I rode him hard about it. I, he probably thought I was a real ass, but, and I was kind of, cause I'm just like, what's your pro Like, why would you do that? Right. And, but over the years we, we become friends. Uh, Mike Mallet is one of the, one of the best guys in the industry. And we were just sitting there, you know, I just called him up one day and we just were talking about whatever. And we just, he, he said, you know, boy, I'd like to get into sprint cars because we had this modified thing. It was, it was doing really well. And, and so him and I just got, well, what do you think about doing this? Well, what do you think about doing that? And then all of a sudden before the 2021 season, we were, we were going to, we put something together and I went after the tracks down here and, and we got Babs, we got Sealands Grove. And uh, it just went from there, and, and it's growing. It's, uh, it's going real well this year, and we're paying the tracks some, some good money, which, which I like, and uh, it's just working out. So it's just one of those things that it morphed from a, a, phone, a phone conversation. I don't even know what we were talking about, and we just went from there. That's awesome. It is. It's nice to see uh, two different brands. And, and organizations be able to work together and build themselves together 
um, you know, and, and spread the good word. Right. That's uh, that's pretty cool to see. And I think it's also given a lot of, um, you know, I'll say cross training in in there, too. I mean, if I would have ever thought a day where you'd be working with their track digest up at Diamond with modifieds on the track, I never thought that was ever going to happen because, well, like I said, you're a sprint car guy and vice versa. I, you know, I've seen his modified people working with the sprint car stuff, too, and it, it's really cool to see. And it down to the nitty gritty of it you're still helping transform some people into becoming fans of other areas of dirt racing too. I'm going to shock here. The first races I used to go to were Penn national. And they were modified races nice. back in 1977, electrifying Elvin Feldy, guys like that, <laughs> you know, Craig Van Dorn was around back then as well. Yep. Um, I used to go see modifieds and super sportsmen. And I didn't see my first sprint car race until 1984, 85. Oh, wow. So, you know, one thing I'll say about Big Diamond, when they asked me to go produce it, you know, yeah, I was a little leery because, A, I, I really haven't produced much. I just learned it this year. But, you know, uh, you know, modifieds, I haven't been around it as much. I used to go watch the Super Dirt Series when they came into the area. Right. I used to like that. But I'll tell you what, what I like about Big Diamond is well, you guys are on a show through, and I'm a stickler for that. It's 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 one of the things that I I want shows to start on time. I want them to, to run through. I don't want delays. I don't want it to take you know ten minutes just to get another heat on the track. So no, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought your racing was good. And as I told you, I have no problem. Uh, going up to to help out with the pay per view up at Big Dot. No, and we and we definitely appreciated you being there. And uh, you know, I've told you, um, pleasure to work with too. But you know, the one thing I always thought, you know, I'm a huge racing fan at heart. I always will be. That's how I ended up getting myself and where I am. But I always compared it to the Grove, and no knock on the Grove whatsoever. But okay, I see what time you start. We start kind of around the same time. At most, you're running two divisions, and it takes till this time. Well, we're running four divisions, and I want to beat you every week. That's my goal. <laughs> That's my goal. Because I understand people did work today, and they may have to work tomorrow. We're in a very blue-collar area. Um, and I, I constantly look at it that way. And even for the guys in the pits, those guys, most of them probably racing on Saturday, too, somewhere. So make sure you get them home at a decent time. They can get a decent amount of sleep and and get themselves prepared for the next day so i always compared myself to the grove just just me uh, not a philosophy with anyone else just myself where i want i just want to beat him every week i really do well and i think the other thing with that it's like i said earlier attention spans are shorter yep people want to go home and do something else before they go to bed they don't want to walk they don't want to walk in at 1 a.m you know fall into the shower and then fall into bed and then be, you know, kind of tired the next day, whether they have to work or do something with the kids or, or whatever. And I think we need to be mindful of that as a sport. And I think the sport needs to change and adjust to the thinking. This is no longer 1980s. It's no longer the 1990s where people want to be at a track till one in the morning. Right. And we need to embrace how things change or, or how times change. And if we don't, we're going to die. Yes. It's, a, it's it's that old 
adage, adapt or die. That's just the way it is. And I know that's harsh, but, you know, the Grove does a pretty good job getting its, its first edition done. And, and when I went to Diamond, I was good with it. You know, I'm, even after I packed up and everything, I don't think I was getting home, you know, and I, I'm there longer than you guys, mm-hmm. you know, as far as in the tower and packing up and everything. I was home by midnight. Yep. And and I have a, a, a decent drive, so I, I no complaints at all. No, no, that's just something. And it's weird. There's so many things that I've learned to do or that no one taught me. I just kind of figured it out all on my own. And that's definitely one of the ones that, I hate when people are like, I don't want to go there. You get home at 1.30, 2 in the morning, and I look at them and go, when was the last time that happened? And they don't have an answer because I I can tell you, it's been a long time since that happened. So, yeah, I kind of pride myself on that aspect of things. But, um, no, let's let's get into some meaty topics that I definitely want to pick your brain about, uh, being as involved in, as you are in the, in the sprint car world. And the biggest thing right now... Um, you know, with this this high limit series going into next year, um, you know, it's no secret. I think guys are not exactly just deciding to run with the outlaws full time or to run with the all stars full time. And guys are starting to pick and choose where they want to go and not running for points at home tracks. Uh, we're seeing it more and more across every division. It's not just sprint cars, but. What do you think this high limit series is going to do to these uh, platinum guys next year? You know, that's an interesting, interesting question because I, I think it depends. Um, you know, I know everybody points to Brent Marks and the fact that he's earned 590 plus thousand dollars. People need to need to realize he won $275,000 in three days. Right. And it's at a place where he's really, really good. Now that's not taking anything away from Brent Marks. I just don't think there's a ton of guys who can do that. Right. That's first and foremost. But but Anthony Macri's the more interesting one. He is third on the money list in the nation. Mm-hmm. And he's run, run a predominantly central base, central Pennsylvania-based schedule. Yes. I think that's more indicative of what can be done with a pick and choose. Because he didn't win Kings Royal, Knoxville some really hard races to run. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. So while the pick and choose schedule, I think is good. I also think the outlaws offer a lot through tow money, uh, their point money. And I have not broken it down yet. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm actually going to put a mock schedule together based on this year and what you could win with traveling and everything. So, but I do think high limit makes guys think not, it's to me. It's not so much just prize money. It's the money they save by not traveling to say California, mm-hmm. Washington, Montana, staying in that Midwest to East Coast region. Maybe you know, obviously down to Florida for Felucia, catching the big races. I think you're going to have some guys who think about not doing it. I think Brad Sweet is the obvious one. I think KKR. There's a chance. That, that they don't do the platinum deal next year. Um, and that's three cars right there. It, it is. Well, two and, and a half, three, yeah. Yeah, but but it's still, it, it's not so, it's still Casey Kane. And right. Casey, ever since KKR has been in existence, they've been with the Outlaws. Correct. So, 
I think that's a big one. They they could lose. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying they could. Um, I don't know about the 15. I have talked to Tony Stewart, and he doesn't know year to year what he's doing. Does this push them over? Uh, Todd Quirin and, and David Gravel, they're outlaw guys. So I, I don't know if the two would go anywhere. The 17 with Noss, I, I have heard that Noss is going to re-up as a title sponsor. So I don't, even though they have problems in New York, and even though some of the other issues, I don't know if they'd go. But the point is this. There's a different way. Yes. And if, I, and if I'm the world of outlaws, and I said this on, on my podcast. If I'm the world of outlaws, I give drivers, their platinum drivers, eight mulligans. What I mean by that is you got eight dates that you can run wherever you want. You still have to run all the outlaw shows. And we're going to still have the 48-hour rule. But you can run eight dates anywhere you want. And that includes high limit. Mm-hmm. Or, or let's say we're raining out a weekend in Missouri and you want to go to Knoxville. You can go to Knoxville without asking, and that counts as one of your eight dates. Interesting concept. So, yeah, I just think, you know, do you want to lose 50% of your business or do you want to lose 10%? Right. I didn't know this was a thing with them until the July date at BAPS for the Dry Tracks show. And I had said to Colton, not knowing, I had said to Colton, I said, this is a genius date. They just got done two days at the Grove, and they're going to New York next weekend you might have some of these guys show up and he goes, well, they can't race here because we don't have an outlaw show. And I'm like, that's a rule. Like that just sounds so stupid because (laughs) I'm more a late model guy and I follow them probably more closely. And I know those guys hop around left and right. And it seems like there's no repercussion. But then again, I think they're also down to seven guys that are on tour now. So it's definitely a different world comparing. It is a different world. And again, I don't, I think it's, we're still in the wait and see stage. Uh, We've got to keep in mind, High Limit hasn't put a schedule out yet. Correct. Uh, And here's the other thing about the Outlaws. And and I'm going to give the Outlaws a, a lot of credit here. They still are the best product, number one. Number two, they have the best infrastructure. Yeah. Whether, whether it's the All-Stars or High Limit, neither of those factions, and I don't think High Limit wants to be more than 12 races. You know, I've talked to Brad extensively about this. He That's not what they're trying to do. They're not trying to take over for the Outlaws. But one thing the Outlaws do is they're like a governing body for sprint car racing. They make rules, they filter down, and everybody's on the same page. Right. That That's the second thing. Their infrastructure is really good. The third thing is... No matter how many guys are platinum members, they're still going to have good fields because a lot of guys are still going to run their events. True. You know, because they do not. Gio Selzy, Rico Abreu, how many have they run? Right. Brent Marks, Brent Marks, I think, has five outlaw wins this year. He went all the way to Texas, too. I mean, yeah, he went, yeah, he went to Texas. Kyle Larson's going to pop in. Um, if you think Brad Sweet, if he doesn't have a platinum membership, if you think he's not going to run some outlaw races, you're saying he's mistaken. He's going to. Now, obviously, you want the guys you can advertise every week. Then you have to ask yourself, okay, if those guys don't show up, does it draw more teams like a Geo Salzi? Who, they're going to move to the top of the list. Right. Because you know, maybe Brad Sweet isn't running. Maybe Brad Sweet doesn't go after uh, – 
a fifth title. And then therefore, you know, it opens the door for somebody else. You know how that goes. If somebody's not there, somebody else thinks they're going to take home the money. So I think there are a lot of variables that still need to be worked out. I'm hoping they come to a resolution because I think high limit's good. And I think the outlaws are good. I think they should coexist. Uh, there's no proof to me. There's no numbers that I've seen that a high limit race on a Tuesday at BAPS before they go to the Grove, before the outlaws go to the Grove, there's no proof that they're taking they're taking away cars, fans, or anything else. No, I don't think so. Especially, but we don't know. Especially cars. I mean, look at look at what Blackjack's done the last couple of years. He basically comes into town for a month and he hits everything. Yes. So and I think you would get more guys to do that. If you can run for 30 grand on a Tuesday and then turn around and run for 75 on Saturday, I think you'd get it. I think it would help both causes. I agree. And I, I mean, look, and if there if there's numbers out there, I certainly haven't seen them because it's not allowed now. So we. We don't know. Uh, I just think the eight races to me, you're not giving everything away, but you're giving some way. To me, it seems like a compromise, and that's what I like about it. Yeah, I mean, you brought up Montana. Um, that I don't know how those guys get motivated to run against basically themselves and maybe four or five other guys that traveled into town. It, it can't be motivating at all to okay, hey, we all make the A, like, why don't we just split everything and go home kind of deal? Like, it's is it worth running and possibly blowing a motor? Um, you know, of course, you have those stops that are absolutely, you know, they put on that show at Silver Dollar the other weekend that was fantastic. Um, but it was, a, you know, difference of where you're at and how many locals we have and that type of thing. But, you know, you brought about Midwest and... and East Coast. Well, all stars don't go past a certain point. Um, I don't know if they cross the Mississippi. <laughs> so it's one of them things where it's like they're sticking to where there's support. Yeah, I mean, the I think the, the farthest west they go is Knoxville. Yeah. So so yeah, they're they're mo and really they don't go to Indiana much either, which is surprising. So they take one trip out there, and then they're back. They spend, I think it's a quarter of their schedule spent in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I think they had like 15 races here this year. And, again, it's just staying regional, uh, getting some bigger shows. And the All-Stars is an attractive series. They've raised their, their point fund. And, uh, again, that adds to the pick-and-choose part of it. You can run the race for Dean race for 26000 Obviously, the Tuscarora 50 for 55, 56,000. Right. You can, you know, there's all these races you can run on that schedule. I, look, I'm in favor of the pick and choose. I'm also in favor of the outlaws. So I'm, but it's, it's all what suits your program, where you're at as a team, how much you want to spend traveling, all that gets factored in there. I definitely like High Limit because they're offering 12 midweek shows. For more money, if you choose to run them, great. If you don't, you know, that's fine again. Because here's the other thing about the Outlaws. Geographically, it's not always going to work for an Outlaw team to run high limit 
And right. I, I just, I mean, I just, the idea that all the outlaw guys would run all the high limit races if they could. I think that's, I think that's far fetched. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was surprised the first high limit show that we had, what did Bert call it? The, uh, USAC and all stars had a baby and there was your field. I was yeah. shocked to see 11 wingless guys in the field. Um, but also I was surprised to see guys like Justin Sanders there too. I mean, that was not expected from my standpoint. So I think, look, I think there's, there's a, there's enough four tens to go around, um, from the Knoxville area, from Missouri, from PA, you know, out West there's, there's enough. It's just a matter of making sure. And I, I wonder if high limits waiting to put out a schedule until they see what the other two schedules look like. That could be. I know they've reached out to uh, some places or more or less tracks have reached out to them. And I I think they won't have a problem getting a schedule together quick. I mean, let's face it. They had two races scheduled this year already, and I have to wonder if they're going to have a third at some point. Well, from from what I'm reading, that race from yesterday... I think they're trying to reschedule it for this year the way I read it. I could be wrong, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know they put some money into it. Wayne County is a, is a popular place. Mm -hmm. I know it's well attended and it's a racy joint and I wouldn't be surprised if that was rescheduled at some point. Yeah. And speaking of Wayne County, um, I would go to believe that Jimmy Johnson was scheduled to be, in Bowman's car. Yeah, that's what it looked like. That's what it appeared like to me. I mean, a lot of things have been shocking this year in different realms of, of dirt racing. That would have to be up there as a holy shit moment. I never expected when I saw it, I almost thought it was like, Oh, Hey, there's a seat if you want it type thing. And then when it, when Jimmy Johnson, obviously that becomes a reality. I'm like, Whoa, you know, and then I start combing through his his history to see, you know, what is what real. I mean, because he was a rally car driver at one point, um, I believe. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how that would have went. I'm, I I would have been watching that definitely. Uh, I, I definitely would have been focused on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it would have been very interesting to see. Him share notes with Alex, who has very minimal seat time as it is. Um, to kind of a blind leading the less blind situation there. I don't know. That would have been very, very interesting to see. Do you think Wayne County would have been the ideal place to have your first time in a car? Uh, yeah, I mean that. What's well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I would hope he wouldn't just dive in. Uh, spring cars are definitely different and. I mean, you would have wow. think you would have think that if he would have been hot lapping it at some point in time, someone would have caught wind of this, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna hide that. No, there is <laughs> in today's world in 2022, it is absolutely impossible to hide anything. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no way, and especially a guy like Jimmy Johnson. Right. Uh, that's that's you're not flying under the radar there. But I the nice thing, I don't think the expectations would have been high either. True. True. I mean, so 
I, I look at it this way. I, I, you know, I talked to Brett Dale at the end of December last year about his Elite series that he had just released, and he flat out told me he modeled it after what's running tonight, the Flow Racing Night in America, the, the late model series. And that's yep. exactly what Brett designed his Elite series after. Is It's realistically not even for the people in the grandstands necessarily. It's for who he can get to watch and put eyes on the product, which great concept. And I'm pretty sure that's what High Limit is trying to do. And if you want to put eyes on your product, just like Larson's running his late model tonight, having a guy like Jimmy Johnson in a, in a sprint car as one of your featured events that are few far in between at this point, and they're all supposed to be that special, that's genius. Yeah, I mean, I look, we see it with Larson when he comes in here. I can tell you from pay-per-views uh, without giving numbers. It goes up. It goes up. And and Larson is a draw. Absolutely. And I think you're you're drawing that that NASCAR fan to it and 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 look, that's not bad. Like I always see this. We don't want him here. It, it's funny. Sometimes they're track fans do this thing well we don't care about nascar they call it nap car but boy when those guys show up they love it oh my god it, it it's, it's weird it's amazing <laughs> just walking through the gates at the grove into the infield do a little shopping and how many freaking 57 shirts do you see <laughs> it is amazing it's amazing how many of them there are it is ridiculous. And at this point, it's not new anymore. He's been doing this for how many years now? I'd say at least the last five or six years he's been coming around. And now he kind of has free reign on when he wants to run, he runs. So now it's no longer a limited thing. It's, well, how many times do we see him? Not if we see him. But it's it's not new anymore. And it's, they're still around. They're still, and it's, it's insane how much it's growing. And I look at that race he promoted, that late model race he promoted. Um, and he had William uh, William Byron get in a car. Did have a chance of qualifying, but they gave him a track provisional to start the race. Right there, another name you're, you're throwing out there trying to get these asphalt guys to tune in to what you're doing. Yeah, and it's just expanding the sport. I've always believed... Because uh, I covered NASCAR at one time, too, and I, I believe one can help the other. And I think it works both ways. I think, obviously, if you have guys coming from dirt to into asphalt, I think dirt, you know, dirt fans, a lot of dirt fans uh, gravitated to NASCAR just to see Kyle Larson. And I think vice versa, with Larson coming back to run dirt, I think you get NASCAR fans liking dirt or, or caring about dirt and maybe they see a guy like buddy kofoy who buddy kofoy's outstanding I, I if he doesn't get a shot at asphalt i i don't i don't know who should but um i think they work together i think they can work hand in hand i wish the fan bases were more open to that especially on the dirt track side but i i really believe that they can help each other and, and really grow something yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think the uh, the truck races at Eldora and now Knoxville are huge and Bristol giving these, you know, we saw Wyndham in a cup car the other year. We saw, you know, Stu, Stuart Friesen's been a crossover guy, too. I think this is huge for 
drawing fans almost back to dirt as we watched guys like Gordon back in the day or Casey Kane progress into cup. Now it's kind of working itself back a little bit too. So, you know, and I think, I think like Toyota holds a huge part of that too, with their development program. Toyota does. My one concern about Toyota is, and I kind of the running joke, I say the TRD, I call it the Toyota road to nowhere program (laughs) because, because I'm a little concerned about some of the guys who didn't make it? Like, what did Spencer Baston ever do to not deserve a shot? Broke his leg. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but he was already out of that loop before that. True. He came into the uh, the midgets and won the national title right away. Yep. And he really never got a shot. Logan Seavey. Wasn't Bacon part of that program at some point, too? I don't remember Bacon. Or he was or involved whether- with Casey Kane or something he was involved in some kind of development program yeah he might have been yeah. um cv yeah, i think Mo, is still has mopar. a chance it was mopar yes i think for bacon but again what do these guys do to not get a shot nobody can tell me yep. would they not look pretty i mean because i think spencer basin's perfectly symmetrical so, so does money come into play well buddy kofoy doesn't have money he didn't come from money. He didn't, his family doesn't have a bunch of money. So no, I, I don't think it's money. I mean, I, like I, Rico had his shot in the trucks, right? But we know yeah. that there's, there's money behind that. So, I mean, sure. it, it, come on. Money is the root of all evil in every aspect of the world. It's got to play a part somehow, some way, unless you're just that far ahead of the rest of the competition. Which, not saying those guys don't have talent, but are they that far ahead? Uh, I think Buddy Kofoid is that far ahead. And, every, and, and nowadays, everyone's comparing it to Larson's level, too. That's the hard thing, too. Yeah, and, and I would make, look, Kyle Larson is a once-in-a-generational talent. He's a freak of that, nature. Yes, he is. However, I saw Kofoid in California when he was 14. Mm-hmm. And I, and I saw him, I went out there the first year of my business, uh, and it was June of that 2017. I said, this kid, this kid's good. And, you know, I saw Gio too. Gio was, was really young, which goes back to my point that California is, is cultivating the best talent in the country. There's there, that is hands down easily. I know I don't, I take a lot of heat for saying that, <laughs> but I mean, look, Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet. Uh, Corey Eliasson, Carson Macedo. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And Buddy Kofoid is outstanding. And I've been saying this for five, six years, or about five years now, and everybody laughs at me. Uh, the kid is that good. He comes into Lincoln this year. He wins in like his fifth time there. Yeah. He comes, he's at the Grove for the third time, and he's running fourth uh, in, a, in an event a couple of weeks ago, yep. the all-star event. He's just that good. So I'm hoping he makes it through. Uh, it give it will give me hope. And if Buddy Kofoy makes it through, I will no longer call it the Toyota Road to Nowhere program. I will, <laughs> I, I will back off that stance. But Kyle Larson, he didn't come from money. No, now but I he's have- got that. He, again, it's that, can you do it that much better than the rest? Well, he also got money behind him. Right. That, at, at one point, he got you know Re- Abreu behind him. He had some other guys behind him, 
But still, he earned everything he got, I think. And I just, again, I need to see somebody get through and get the fair shake. When that happens, I'll believe in Toyota. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Two last things I want to bring up before we get into our green-white checkered segment. First one is, you know, we talk about the future, right? Uh Ryan Timms. Is it at this point overhype or are they close to what we're going to be seeing? You know, Ryan Timms and Corey Day, I think, are the two right now that everybody's focused on. And I do not like I am very slow to anoint people. Right. Because because I've seen this in other sports. And I've been around these guys in locker rooms, not not Tim's and Day, right. but other athletes. So I kind of take it into racing. And I like what Ryan Tim's and Corey Day are doing. However, I think overhype right now because I think it's unfair to them. So it's not overhype in the sense that they don't deserve some of the accolades they're going or that they're getting. I think it's overhype from people expecting what they're expecting. I I'm always cringe when people say, Oh, he's the next big thing. Well, it takes a lot to get that. And last I checked, David gravel is, is uh, what I think he turned 30, Mm -hmm. 29. Yeah. He turned 30. Uh, David gravel's elite. Okay. (laughs) Is Ryan Kim's going to beat David gravel for the next 15 years? I mean, and that's why I cringe at that. What what needs to happen, and I like Ryan Tims a lot. I like Corey Day a lot. I just think they need to go slow to go faster. Yes. A little bit. Uh, I've seen some races where they were really wild. I think they need to think they need to calm down a little bit. Like when I saw Kofoid at 15, he wasn't as wild. When I now Larson. Larson's just a controlled chaos, and I don't know how he does it. I was on the, I had Macedo on the, Carson Macedo on show yesterday, and and we both, we don't know how he comes out of some of the stuff he does, but he just does. It's, you can't explain. No, (laughs) no. It's stuff that Clawson couldn't do. It's stuff that Tony didn't do. It's stuff that Foyt may have done, but none of us are old enough to know that seen it. It's just the wildest. It's the wildest shit. Yeah, it is. And and but again, I'm all. I I just want to. I want to pump the brakes on these guys because it takes a lot to run on the road all the time and be good. So I want to see these guys develop. I think Corey Day has a great uh, support system with Jason Myers, and I think he's going to be good. I think Ryan Timms has a great support system, and I think people are going to look at. Hey, we'll slow him down a little bit. Um, and then they, they will progress and get better. I just think we need to give them time to do that. And, and I think we'll see them be maybe the future of the sport, but I always want to pump the brakes. I'm always cautious to anoint people. I don't like the overhype because I think it's bad for the driver. Same with Larson. I'm not ready to call Larson the best of all time. Right. Okay. I've seen AJ Foyt's numbers. I've seen Mark, um, not Marco, God no, uh, my her uh, Mary Andretti's numbers. Yes, um, you know, I'm. I wrote a column earlier this year, and people got really mad because I said the title was Kyle Larson is not the best ever, but he has a good start. 
if he continues, he will be. Right. But, a lot of those guys went late into their career. And I mean, years like Larson's got to do this for another 20, 25 years. Yeah. And that's the same with Tim's and Corey Day. So when you say overhype, yes, in that people anointed them already. And that's a lot of pressure for a kid to deal with. Uh, I think let's pump the brakes. Let these guys develop. I think they're good. That's not what I'm saying. I think they're good. I think they're in the right situations. And I can't wait to see what they do next. It, it's the LeBron Jordan thing in, in dirt racing and reality where people were talking about LeBron before he even got to the NBA already. And yes. it's the same type of thing. And, you know, to your point about we were talking about streaming and people want everything right away. The attention span. I think it happens with drivers like this where, oh, my God, well, Tim's ran back by Larson at, at Silver Dollar. Oh, my God, he's going to be great. And then he doesn't win. And it's, well, this kid sucks. It's that instant change. Like they're on to the next thing right away where these things take time and they take development and they have the time to do it. That's the greatest thing they have is time. And I agree with some, and that's a, a very good point about the, you know, people wanting it now. And again, there's always another race. And if you, you know, it's the guys like Brad Sweet, he's in the kind of in the mix every night. Yep. I mean, it's not one race out of five. And that's, that's, those are the elite guys to me right now. Now, I don't count Larson because he's not a full time sprint car driver. Right. To me, there's, there's really, three, four, five elite drivers in the country. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. With that hit elite status. Now I'm a little tougher, greater than most. So, so <laughs> I might not be the, as long the as you grade them equally, who cares? <laughs> no, I do grade equally. That's equally all that matters. Harsh. That's it. That's <laughs> all that matters. I could sit here and give everybody a hundred in the class. It ain't going to make a difference if you fail them all. <laughs> no, no, no. That's true. <laughs> on to our uh, on to the next thing I wanted to bring up before we, we wrap this up. Um, Natty opens this weekend. Uh, Posse hasn't won it since 2018. Yep. Is this the year? I mean, Brent's Posse back again. Macri's there and hot. Both of them are hot. Danny has good runs as of late. Lance is still winning. Is this the year Posse wins? I think this could be the year uh, Hurricane Ian wins. Oh, that is that is a possibility. Yes. Well, it's funny. We did our picks uh, on the show. Ryan Hand, who who does a great job, and he's helped out with Macker this year, uh, crew chief duties. I always want to give Ryan a shout out. He does a he does such a great job on the show. Uh, we kind of feed off each other, and he's he. I, I like to tell him he, he's not right, and I am. But <laughs> um, we do our picks, and I took Dietrich night one. Okay. I think Danny Dietrich right now is the best at Williams Grove. When that track gets wide, he can pass cars. He can, he can, uh, dirty air does not affect his car. No. And that is odd. So if the, I think it's going to depend what the Grove is like. If it's a wet weekend and they're dodging raindrops, that thing's going to be fast. It's going to be who times while well. the outlaws, I think, have an advantage. If it gets, this thing turns and we don't get rain. Danny Dietrich's going to be tough. He is, I picked him Friday night and then I think I backed it up with Macedo after that, but for Saturday, but I think you're, I think you could see it. Uh, and I, to me, 
You know, you think DeWeese, whose last six starts at the Grove are three wins and three-thirds, an average finish of 2.0, but the car hates dirty air. Dietrich's car is handling better at the Grove than anyone else, so that's why I went with him. Macri is a Charlie Garrett Bernie's going to be working on it. Always has a shot. And Brent Marks, Brent Marks is fast everywhere. So I do think the posse has a chance, and I think this is the best chance they've had in a while. I think so, too. I do. Uh, it's kind of strange not including Freddie in that list of the possibilities, but it, everyone goes through that ebb and flow with their career, and he's just not been uh, flowing very well as of late. But the four that I mentioned, that's that's a good starting lineup if you're going to do a little four-on-four here. I, here's an interesting stat. We've held 90 races in central Pennsylvania and New Jersey this year. Those four, DeWeese, Dietrich, Marks, and Macker, won 54% of the races. Wow. And that, and that includes, you know, races that are, you know, got to remember, Lincoln and Port Royal runs against each other, Saturday. Right. So it, those four guys are so far ahead of the field. I think Freddie's struggling first year with, with Rich Heichelberger a mm-hmm. little bit. They kind of ha- have a handle on Lincoln. Not so much at the Grove, even though they're in the, the point battle. I think track point chases now are about who's there or not necessarily who wants to win it. Right. And I, they're just, those four guys are just so far ahead. And I think the trio of Marks, Dietrich, and Macri are ahead of Lance. Lance will admit that he, they have not been where they wanted to be this year. So no. they're working on it. I think they're closer than they've been. And I think obviously for the national opens is, is a race. He circles on the schedule, but boy, those top three, I think they're just so much better in dirty air right now. And their cars may be more maneuverable and that makes them even more of a factor than Lance, but Hey, Lance can time well, and he has a ton of experience and he knows how to get a, around the growth. Very, very well. Uh, minus a, a front wing or not, or collapse top wing, don't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He's already figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think something with with him focusing on Cole this year with the micro and then with Cass running the 410, I think it's jarred things in the crates oval part shop this year. I think something's just a little off, but here we are. They're, they've been strong as of late, and it's the prime time. So you never know what you're going to see. No, and and again, you could never sleep on Lance Luis, especially in this event. Uh-uh. Uh, this event is is one that's near and dear to his heart and is one that he really gears up for. Not that he doesn't gear up for the other stuff. I'm not saying that, but he this is when he circles, and he's always jacked up to win the national open and, and he'll, he'll definitely be in the mix somewhere. And if obviously we race, so you can never sleep on him. I just like those three guys. Those other three guys. Yep. More. Yep. I agree. All right, man. On to our green, white checkered segment. We'll wrap this thing up. Are you ready? Go ahead. It's time for green, white checkered on the four wide salute. All right, three random questions. Your green flag question. What racing topic would you be the most lost about if it came up in conversation? Wow. (laughs) I might get lapped on the first one. 
Um, what does it have to be dirt track racing? Yes. <sighs> Killing me. Um, probably I, as much as I like watching late model racing, just the ins and outs of late model racing. Okay. Um, although not the streaming part of it. Cause I paid attention to it. You know what? I lie. I'm going to change that. It's going to be mod. It, it'll be, I'd say New York modifieds. I, I understand the Stuart Friesen and Matt Shepard thing. I don't know how guys like Brett Hearn and all those guys just automatically, I guess they just got old, but they just kind of went away. And so I'm not up on who can challenge Friesen and Shepard other than Matt Williamson. I, I like, I don't know like Deo series. I just don't have a good grasp of that. Okay. And that's, that's a fair enough answer. That is. I, I always say, and I tell everyone, even especially my guys on Friday nights, look, I am not mechanically inclined to save my life, and I admit it. So when they talk about shocks and tires and bars and coils, I just nod and smile. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I'm, in, I'm with you, so I could, I could also put that in there. I, when, I go to, when I go into the pits and I start talking about the car, uh, they have to tell me twice, you know, yeah. I will, but, but here's, here's how I get around it. I'll ask them over and over what that means. Exp- I, and that's, and look, as a reporter, I have to do that. Yeah. So yes, I don't know it, but when I write about it by that time I do, but I do, I like you, I don't know the inner workings of the car as much as I wish I did. Yeah. They bring up tech and I, I, my eyes go cross. That's the end of that. <laughs> white flag question which cartoon character do you feel would you have the most connection with what cartoon character yeah. uh oh i've been called many <laughs> i kind of have resting bitch face okay so, so so at least and it's not that i'm mad but people they call me i've been called uh, when i was at the newspaper smiley because I don't smile a lot because I'm, I'm working Uh cartoon character. I'm trying to think of one that, that has resting bitch face. <laughs> Stewie from family so, guy is probably close. That's, that's probably, that's probably true. Um, and it's not that I'm, and I'm kind of sarcastic. Okay. Uh, so whoever that, whoever that would be. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd either be that or, uh, you know, like a Yosemite Sam probably be close to. Yeah, Yosemite Sam might be. Although I, I thought he was kind of. I didn't think. You know, Bugs Bunny might okay. work because I can be. I'm okay, and then and you can get on my bad side. Then I I'll do I'll do something mischievous or, <laughs> or whatever or or. But I'm I'm also I question things, and so bugs bunny might be or or uh jerry from tom and jerry oh there you go yeah okay that'll work too that that could be it all right checkered flag question not so much of a crazy one what's the one piece of advice you can give someone trying to get into your line of work oh boy i have a i have a lot of advice but uh the the main thing, thing the main thing don't be a fan because when, and, and that's hard because usually a person who's getting into it was a fan first. You've got to be objective. You can't wear another driver's shirt while you're interviewing a driver. 
You can't, you've always got to make it known that you're objective and that's it. I have guys that I love interviewing. I have guys that I don't like interviewing and nobody knows who they are. That's perfect. And the other, and then one other thing, you can't punch a time clock. Those two things are, are equal. You can't think because it's 1am you're done. And you can't think just because it's eight in the morning, you can't work. You know, that those two things are the most important thing. Yep. I absolutely agree. It's funny. Um, you know, I've been to racetracks where they have no official uniforms and I see workers going around wearing driver's shirts that are in their pits. Oh, and it's, no, no. Uh, it, it's odd to me. And I just observe and I, I keep those thoughts to myself or at least in my household. And, and then, um, you know, to your other point, um, you know, it's you you don't have a clock. I've already I mean, the last race of the year for us, Jake is texting me as I'm trying to eat my Wawa and go to bed. And you can bet your ass he had already sent me a text message before I woke up the next morning about when I'm going to post my results. So, yeah, there never is a clock. I mean, we've been done for two weeks and yeah, I'm still busy. So yeah, there is no, there is no clock. And the, the one other thing I always tell people is if you're in this to make money, you're absolutely nuts. At least from my perspective, <laughs> this ain't, you're not making a million dollars doing what we're doing. You do it. Cause there's a love involved. Yeah. And there's, and there's now there's a few people who are doing really well. I mean, you know, the flow thing and obviously right. dirt vision, but they put in the time, they put in the resources. Uh, I'm trying to get there, but it's a struggle. And, and, the, and those are the things. And no matter what, I, I get bad stuff said about me on the internet, which is fine. I don't care. Yep. I don't even respond. That's fine. But they can't say I'm not objective. Yep. And that's your integrity is everything because – and and when off that goes to on the record, off the record. Yeah. If it's on the record, it's on. If they say off the record, you're not slipping it in there. No. That's all part of the integrity part and the, the objectivity. So it's overall it's integrity and, and work hard. Th- those are the the biggest things that will get you where you want to go. Yeah. Off the record, you'll lose all respect from everyone involved because yes. they'll tell everybody. Nope. Yep. I, uh, funny story about that quick outside is, you know, I did an interview, uh, with someone and after, you know, I always ask, I, I used to ask guys, you know, is there anything I can't talk about or can't ask you, which now I'll just cut it out. If that's the case, I don't care. But, um, he goes, nope, nope. Talk about anything. And we get into a conversation and five minutes later, he goes, now, you know, they're not going to repeat this, right? Oh, <laughs> I said, um, you know, we're, we're recording this, right? But it's not live, so I'll edit it. Um, but it was the funniest thing. Like, five minutes, I thought I was getting a really good story, and it turned, and I'm like, oh, so you don't want anyone to know that. Oh, okay. All right. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about that. I don't understand why. <laughs> Especially like, because I, it's something that happened 40 years ago. That was the best part. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing that bothers me about this sport uh, and I will say this, and this will get me in trouble. So I'm going to give you a tidbit that'll get me in trouble. <laughs> the, this is supposed to be a sport of tough guys. Yes. And I hear that. I can tell you it's one of the most fragile sports I've ever covered. Oh, my. You're <laughs> not kidding. You're not kidding. It's 
I have guys that are like, do you know that that guy flipped me off when he when I passed him and I'm going, yeah, and. (laughs) And what? It's it's really it's I don't know if it's because they're afraid they won't get a ride or they want to keep. I don't know what it is, but and I I thought I mean NFL guys are tough. They they legitimately don't. They'll be mad at you that you wrote something, but if you're in the locker room the next day or the day after, they will respect you because you're coming back. Yes. Um, this sport, I have to make so many. Okay, you can't put it out today. Well, put it out next week. I need to tell this person. I'm just like, you know, but it is what it is. I have to do what I have to do. But um, I just wish it would be a little more tougher, like like the kind of the persona and, and sport thinks it is. Yeah, yeah. We need to go back to the days of Dick Trickle smoking a cigarette while racing and, uh, yeah. you know, guys that are just raw, gritty. Um, you know, I would say guys back in the day were these meat hooks for hands and big brawny guys. And now we look at guys like Baston and CV and all these guys and they're twigs. They're tiny. Brad's tiny. I mean, it's like, what happened 40 years ago? This was the opposite. <laughs> Kinzer, I'm okay big boy. With it <laughs> I'm okay with it because they're in shape and they look like real athletes right so i'm okay with that right but it's it's a it's a different era that's definitely for sure yep that that it is i appreciate your time i appreciate coming on the show i'm definitely going to have you back again maybe we'll do some kind of sprint card preview next year and we'll get into some stuff and uh yeah great conversation and uh wish you the best of luck the rest of the year bud hey it's a pleasure being on your show call anytime uh i'm more than happy to do it and uh also, I look forward to being up at Big Diamond for to produce some pay-per-views. Awesome. Well, the uh, first annual Thaw Brawl has been announced for the season opener, so <laughs> we are open for business next year. <laughs> well, I look forward to being up there. And again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.